Have you ever felt like you've tried everything, but your students are still relying on you for everything? It feels like your classroom's just not running how it's supposed to, and your students aren't following the rules. If you feel this way, I want to let you know you're not alone. My student Amanda felt just like you. But what if I told you if you could have the classroom where your procedures were so clear and defined that your students ran the classroom by themselves and you didn't even have to say a word? I know you can do this because I help my student Amanda and other teachers around the world do the same. And that's what we're going to cover in today's episode, so make sure to stick around. You won't want to miss this. Hey, Teacher Bestie, my name's Helena, and I'm the creator of the Present Teacher Podcast. I'm a first-year teacher coach, and in this podcast, you are going to learn everything from simple, actual classroom management, social-emotional learning, and teacher wellness strategies. You know that impact you want to make in the classroom? Well, we're going to make it happen here. Step one to building procedures is actually building relationships within your classroom. I'll never forget when someone told me a student won't learn from a teacher they don't like, and this couldn't be any more true today. You see, building relationships is important because you need to get your students to know, like, and trust you so they learn from you, and it's also important that they learn to work and build relationships with each other. So how do we accomplish this? You've probably heard people say, build relationships in the classroom, but you might be asking yourself, but what does that mean? What does that look like? So I'm going to tell you right here, right now, the first thing you got to do is model, 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 model. What does positive behavior look like? What does lining up or sitting at the classroom look like? Model what this looks like and doesn't look like. What does it sound like and what does it not sound like? And you need to model what positive relationships look like. What do good friends do for each other and what do they not do? Take some time in your classroom and go over. What do good friends do for each other? Do they share? Do they not share? What does that look like? What does that sound like? What about conflict conflict resolution? How can you make things a win-win when you come to a conflict with another teacher or with an adult? Also, you want to model what building a relationship looks like. Students learn best by watching you. They will mimic you, and if you are actively incorporating these into your classroom, your kids will pick up on them, and they'll start actually conflict resolutioning or solving problems the same way you do in the class. So maybe you can show them what asking someone to play with me looks like, being nice when someone isn't having a good day. All of these you can show by modeling, but you can also model to your kids what that's going to look like. The next thing is icebreakers. You can build relationships within your class by actively participating in icebreakers. And I don't mean just for your students. I mean for teachers too. I love to do icebreakers with my kids because, well, number one, it incorporates joy in my day, but two, okay, I'm a little competitive. Three is good because it helps me build relationships with my kids. So icebreakers are a great way to build relationships from student to teacher from and student to student as well. The next thing is check-ins. Do a daily check-in with each other and as a class. How are we doing? How is the individual doing? And what can we work on? 
You also want to build a positive classroom community and talk about what does that look like? What does that sound like? What can, what are the expectations for students to do in order to create that? And what can you as a teacher do to make sure that you are creating a environment where students and teachers feel heard, seen, liked, and trusted and validated? So step number two to creating procedures is to actually have clear expectations. Once the relationship is there and you have that solid between the teacher to student and the student to student, students will want to make you proud. It's our job to show them how they can make us feel proud. Let's talk about what it looks like, sounds like in the classroom. Use a visual model and do right from wrong. So this is literally how I do a procedure. I will talk about a procedure or an expectation I have in class, like raising our hand or responding to a class call. Then I will make a visual, I will model it, and then we can make a visual model and we can talk about what I did right, what I did wrong. What did it sound like? What did it not sound like? What did it look like? What did it not look like? And during this process, I typically have a very deep conversation with my kids about how There's a such thing as making a wrong choice, but there is no such thing as a bad kid. And that's really important, and I preach this in my class, that I will love you whether you make a good choice. I will love you whether you make a bad choice or a mistake. That does not change for me. But once you have that strong relationship with your students and they have it with each other, they'll want to make each other happy. They'll want to make each other proud. So make sure you're modeling what your expectations are clearly to your class. That way they can make you proud because honestly, that's what kids want. They want to thrive. They're not doing it as a personal attack. Step number three is to have clear outcomes and consequences. So, okay, we made a mistake, but what happens when they don't follow the expectations? Well, I'm here to tell you that natural consequences are going to be your best consequence or the best thing you can hope for when it comes to not following expectations. Natural is always best. I highly, highly recommend you keep all behavior in your classroom when possible. However, there are some severe behaviors that if you do it, in my class, it's an immediate out. I don't tolerate it at all. And that's throwing something and then putting hands on another person. Those two things will immediately get you out of my classroom. Everything else, with exceptions, I'm going to asterisk that times five. I try to solve everything else in my classroom. So let's talk about consequences. So let's say that so-and-so made a mess while picking, you know, while doing an activity and there's a mess all over the floor. Well, the natural consequence would be to pull that student aside and to ask them to pick it up. That's just the natural consequence. And that's what I try to do in my class. But you want to think about What is the ladder of outcomes that happens when a student makes a mistake or purposefully makes a wrong choice? So the first time, what happens? Then the second time, then what? Third time, then what? Fourth time, then what? I'll give you an example of mine. The first time, I like to, it depends on what it is. Sometimes I can tell the kids aren't sure or they made a mistake and or they're doing it on purpose. 
The first time, maybe you try to ignore it. Maybe it's something that isn't that major, so you just move on and you ignore the behavior so it doesn't become something. The second time, maybe you give a nonverbal cue. The third time, maybe you want to remind them of the expectation, or maybe better yet, the third time, instead of bringing attention to that student who made the mistake, you point out another student as an example. So for example, I love how so-and-so is sitting crisscross applesauce, apples in their basket, eyes up here tracking the speaker with still hands. That is showing the other kids that you are giving praise to those that are following your expectations. Maybe then the fourth time you give a nonverbal cue. The fifth time, maybe you pull that student on the sideline and you have a one-on-one conference with them and talk about their consequence. Either way, having this all planned out beforehand is really going to help you. And then at what point is it a behavior plan? Deciding for you how many steps, how many warnings you're going to give your kids is really important. And then staying consistent across the board is really going to help you. Step number four is helping your kids have responsibility through self-management. Students that are responsible for their own learning really thrive. And in our classrooms, we really want to make sure that they're being responsible for their behavior and they have time to self-reflect. So there's a couple different ways you can do this. You can have independent behavior trackers. You can have super improver walls. Maybe you have a classroom behavior tracker. So for example, I talked about an independent behavior tracker. That could be like a super improver wall. That's what I use. And so students get a sticker and they level up each time they do a positive thing or I, you know, I celebrate them in class for following my expectations or the class's expectation. Maybe for a classroom behavior, you do beat the teacher and if they have more green than red tallies, however many green tallies is they have is how many minutes they get to leave early or how many minutes of free time they get at the end of the day. Either way, having a way for students and the class to be accountable of their own behavior is super important. The next step is to develop routines and procedures. Like I said, you're going to want to model these. And most of all, you want the class to help come up with these routines and procedures. Now here is by far, I admittedly say the biggest mistake I made for several years and the other biggest mistake I see first year teachers make when it comes to procedures is they create the procedures around the space. You do not want to do that. I repeat, you do not want to do that. You want to create the space that supports your procedures. So let me explain. So, or kind of expand on this. When I first started teaching, I was so excited to set up my classroom that I would buy all this decor and I would set up my classroom to be super cute. But then by the time it came down to the flow of my classroom from students from getting point A to point B, turning in papers, I hadn't thought that through. So then when the first day came or even the first month came, it was a struggle. Where instead, if you focus on how you want the flow of your classroom to be first and then decorating the space, it's really going to help you. 
Think about, okay, where do I want students to go when they're done? Where do I want my students to grab their materials? Those are all things you want to think of first before you set up your classroom. Now, if you already set up your classroom, it's not too late. Take notes now. But this is a huge mistake I've made and other teachers have made too. And I have, so again, don't create procedures around the space. Create the space that support your procedures. And I do have a checklist actually that I created with every single procedure that I teach in a school year. And it's a checklist and I revisit it every year. I revamp it. I talk about you know, where I have it in my space, in my classroom, how it ran. And then I revisit the same checklist every single year when it's back to school. And then I revamp it if I need to. What I love about this is it's also a great way to refer back to the procedures I've gone over already in class. So when Christmas break or winter break comes around or after spring break, and I notice my kids need to kind of review what we've learned in class and our procedures, I can go through this checklist and review it. So it's already there and it's already created. And when I teach every year, it's already set up, ready to go. And I love it. It is such a time saver. So if you want to download this, check out the show notes. I'll make sure to put it there. You can have it, keep it, share it with your friends because, man, I wish I did this like my first year. Seriously. But anyways, in that checklist, you're going to see a lot of different procedures I set up in my classroom and I think through, but here are some that you can think of right now as you're listening in the car or when you're walking your dog, whatever you're doing. Here are some procedures you should be thinking about and have already covered in class. And if you haven't, don't worry. I definitely did not cover all these the first couple of years. And then I wondered why my kids we're having a hard time, or I covered it for a day and then I never revisited it. So here are some examples. First thing, pencils. How do you want your kids to get your pencils? Second thing, bathroom. What's the bathroom procedure? Turning in work. I have a Miss Haynes I'm done box. Lining up. Are they in line order? Do they just go? Do you have music that dismisses them? Walking in line. What does it look like, sound like? Transitions look like, sound like. Um, do you use different songs? Which songs mean what? Will you change those songs? Class calls, what's the expectation after you do a class call? Morning jobs, what happens when they come in the morning? Do they just come in and put their backpack and sit down? What are they expected to do? Packing up at the end of the day, stations. These are just some examples that I came off up with, but like I said, there's a lot of procedures. And if you didn't cover one, that's okay. It is not too late. I come up with procedures in the middle of the year, all the time when I feel like we need to. So make sure to grab that freebie because you can grab all these and more. Thank you so much for joining me. And I am so excited because you are now, once you incorporate all these, the queen of procedures, teacher bestie. I would love if you could DM me your favorite part of today's episode. Remember that we are stronger together and I will see you in the next episode. Love the present teacher, aka Helena. 
Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope that you were able to take away some value that will help you thrive inside and out of the classroom. It would mean the world to me if you could take five seconds right now and leave a review on this podcast. And if you found this podcast especially helpful, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now and tag me on your socials to let me know you're listening. As always, remember that we are stronger together with all the love in the world, Helena, aka the present teacher. See you next time, teacher bestie.